white nunchuck. <laughs> the white nunchuck would be your Wu Tang name. I like that. I think either that or Riwa, because you know there's Riza, but you could be Riwa because you're like R W. It could work. It could yeah. work. Yeah. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, uh, you know, just uh, keeping busy with so much going on. How are you doing? I'm pretty groovy. Same thing. Yeah. There's lots of little little work things in and out, and lots of like smaller odd jobs I've taken on. So. Uh, Josh, you've been of... fighting. You've been fighting little Bond henchmen, have you? I have. We went into Fort Knox, and he chained me to a nuke, but <laughs> I managed to get out in time. And now he and I are fast friends. Oh, there uh, you go. Yeah, and we talk smack about Le Chiffre all the live long day. Le Chiffre. Oh, God. what a great, <laughs> what a great villain. Um, I came up with a question, and I'm sorry, Ryan, I didn't give you any prep because I literally came up with it five minutes ago. Oh, no. So, but I, I think you'll have fun with this question. So we are getting X-Men 97. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. If you could choose one non-Marvel cartoon from your childhood that would get the same treatment where it's like, we're making new episodes of that show as, as if no time has passed. Oh. What are you choosing? I don't know. Oh, God, there's so many that, like, should not be touched and just leave it as, like, a test of time. Um, I've actually been watching Reboot uh, between, between the, you know, projects and stuff, and I love it so. I love Reboot so much. Is uh, Reboot, because I never, like, sat and watched through it all, is Reboot um, one of the shows that suffered the fate of, like, they canceled it before it had a chance to let its story finish or did it get to tell what it wanted to tell yes and no uh it, it they they got to tell the whole story that they they wanted to tell uh and they even did like a kind of like tv movie uh of it but i yeah no they they did the whole story it was perfect if you literally watch everything up until the end it's great the, the movie didn't need to happen um <laughs> you know what actually the, the one that comes to mind, I would love, love, love a continuation of the original Transformers. Good choice. The G1, the G1 saga, I would love for that to kind of continue where it left off and see how they would continue it from there. Um, I think like, you know, if you think about the Transformers movie and like, you know, past seasons about there. It's good, but like, there's something about that first season that's like, like everything up until the movie. I would love to see kind of like a reinterpretation of it. Technically, Beast Wars did serve me that, but yeah, I would love to see that. That's a good pick, man. Especially because it's an '80s cartoon, and those had, you know, we love them, but they had their shortcomings. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. That, really... that or GI Joe. That or GI Joe. Right. Another 80s one. Great. Because the 90s really refined how they told the stories and cartoons. But in the 80s, they were still just kind of goofing around. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons why my pick is also an 80s one. And I really like, I, I of your two, I would love to see a G.I. Joe one. 
Because I yeah. think they could have a lot of fun with that and like make it look the same, but just make it a little bit shinier, like they did with um, He Man, the new He Man, because yes. it's yeah. continuing that too, right? Yeah. Uh, my pick would be 80s Ninja Turtles. Ooh, wow. Okay. Make, like make an 11 season of that show um, and tidy it up a bit so that. It's still fun and goofy and silly, but it has a little bit more substance to it where it's not just like corny puns for 20 minutes, you know, give yeah. it, give it some weight, bring, they never got like a good resolution with Shredder and Krang and everything. Let them have, let them have that story come to an end, you know, yeah. just, oh, I'd be there day one for that. Damn. Damn, you know that's that's also a good answer. I kind of miss the old Ninja Turtles cartoon a lot. Mm -hmm. I, there's there's moments where I really want to go back and like rewatch it. But to be honest, though, sometimes I worry that it it, it does it can feel a bit dated. Like it, nostalgia wants me to go back, but mm -hmm. at the same time, will my attention span really be kept in the old stuff? Is, is a good yeah, because it's not an attention span holding show. It's I. Uh, yeah. like with the exception of a couple episodes, it's not serialized, right? There's no overarching yeah. story. They're just like, ah, let's today we'll fight Shredder, tomorrow we'll fight an alien, whatever, whatever happens, happens, and then we'll tell yeah. some jokes and eat a pizza. Um, but go back to it if for nothing else is that it just makes you feel like a kid because it it's so of its time, right? It is yeah. one million percent of its time, and it is representative of the turtles when they were at their height they never got hotter than that season that's three of true that show. Mm. it was peak so. but it was also because like especially cartoons at that time were pumping out all sorts of wacky content because they were trying to pump toys right and then the toys would like be the complimenting experience to the whole thing so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know it's funny though too uh real quick though i was also lately for some reason i think because you keep you you sent me you sent me that comment today about the toys the X Men toys, yeah. Um, but like for some reason, my search feeds have now been populating with like collectors stuff. And oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's totally cool. Uh, but lately, I've been uh, getting a lot of videos from Mighty Max and uh, and seeing like I remember watching the intro because the intro is the bomb. It is a good intro. Uh, it's one of those ones where it's like kind of like an orchestrated rock soundtrack. Mm -hmm. um and it's just like them doing their thing and it, it looks so cool but i i haven't seen the cartoon since since i used to have mighty max myself so i don't even know what it was about i don't know how the kid got caught up in everything <laughs> like yeah. i have no idea i just heard i had one that no i had like a an off-brand Mighty Max. It was called something else like Sammy Steel or something. No. <laughs> it wasn't even the real thing. But uh, yeah, I remember those cartoons for uh, not cartoons, sorry, commercials for Mighty yeah. Max toys. Uh, that was peak 90s. Uh, just like how today's movie on Infinity Rewatch is peak X-Men. Welcome to Infinity Rewatch where we are talking about the greatest of the X trilogy. <laughs> I'm Andrew Fantasia. Oh, what's up, everybody? I can't believe we're doing this. <laughs> Why are we doing this to ourselves? Oh, my God. And this is only, like, it only has begun at this point. <laughs> um, all right. What's up, everybody? My name is Ryan J. Whitehead, and we're going to be doing X-Men United. <laughs> 
I wish we were doing X-Men United. That was part two. Oh, sorry. This is the last stand. <laughs> last stand, sorry. It's okay. Oh, it's okay. I did that too. In my notes, I wrote X-Men 3, X-Men United. And then I was like, wait. Wait a no. minute, yeah. <laughs> um, this came out May 26th, 2006. I don't know where whereabouts in life I was was probably because I did my victory lap year of high school and it was coming to a close. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was getting ready to move on and go to college. And so this would have been shortly before we met, mm-hmm. right? Less than a year before we met. Mm-hmm. And my real only big takeaway memory of this was I, I met up with some friends at Silver City Brampton in the afternoon. We went to go see a matinee. And I was at the time working at Silver City Brampton at the movie theater, right? I was uh, like a ticket ripper there. So I knew that we had these papers that showed like, okay, Cinema One is playing this and it gets out at this time. And so you clean it at this time. Like it was sort of our code page for when we clean and when we open for the customers to come in. Right. Um, And those pages had among their information, the runtime of every movie. And back then, I don't know why I didn't just Google it, but um, when I got to the theater with my friends and we got to the ticket stand, one of my coworkers was there ripping our tickets. And I'm like, hey man, let me see the paper. I want to know how long this is going to be. And he's like, yeah, okay. And he showed it to me. And when I saw that the runtime was not only shorter than X-Men 2, but fairly well under the two hour mark, I remember my heart sank a little bit and I'm like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And uh, yeah, that was the first sign of things to come. (laughs) I, you know, I hear you on that. Uh, I remember I was working at LaserQuest at this time, uh, doing my thing. Uh, I do also remember uh, the um, I do also remember the news surrounding this one. So I I remember because they announced Superman Returns was coming, and mm-hmm. uh, and there was a big hoopla about that because it was like they said it was going to continue. Speaking of continuing stories like X Men ninety seven, it was going to continue the story of of Christopher Reeve's Superman arc. Yeah. Um, and, and to kind of do a re kind of do a new, like a sequel retelling of Superman in an interesting way. Uh, and I remember that Brian Singer essentially, like, I don't know what the, 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 the official way was, but the, the feeling amongst fans was he just like essentially bailed on X-Men. He's like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm sitting here at the top. I'm going to just leave the franchise. You know, I, here you go. And just like threw it threw it at the next director and I was like, well, this is bad. And then they're like, and then like shortly after um, they said, Oh, James Mar uh, James Marsden has also left X-Men. He's been asked to be written out. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, so they're like, how are they going to do it? Are they going to kill Cyclops? And I was just like, that's not good. <laughs> and my brother and I were just watching like this, like kind of like snowball effect of like, oh, but then, but then they're like, the beast is in it, and then everyone like went nuts. So, um, and they announced Kelsey Grammer was playing Beast, and everyone was like, oh my god, what a great choice because it's because it's perfect, and it's kind of like you look at the way of uh, you look at the way of you know, how Marvel does their casting and everything. And and it was one of those things where, you know, 
there's like a role that kind of plays similar to the character, uh, the Marvel character that they're going to portray. Mm-hmm. So of course, Kelsey Grammer has Frasier, and it's kind of like a perfect high intelligent character that could really fit that role. So it was it it, it was kind of like, oh man, this is gonna be interesting. And yeah, and then and then we just saw the smorgasbord that was the trailer, and I, my brother and I were just like. <laughs> just like oh no <laughs> what, what have they done oh man so it was it was a journey it was a it was a it was a lot of mixed feelings going into this movie mixed is a good word for it it is a very mixed movie too and it felt like a lot of stuff was going on in the process of the mm-hmm. production right like you're saying like brian singer basically took off he took james marsden with him yeah. Uh, and, you know, I don't blame James. He kind of got the short shrift in part two. So now he's like, you mean you can actually put me in a movie where I have screen time and you'll see my face and I can act? Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> sure. So uh, all of that happens. And then you have this mess of, from what I read, there was a sort of struggle to find the right person to direct. And it was almost going to be Matthew Vaughn because Matthew Vaughn was involved in a bit of the, the writing process on this. Yeah. And we, we missed out and we got to add this to the list of parallel universes that I want to visit when I die to see Matthew Vaughn's version of X-Men 3, because the way he tells it, he would have taken his time with it. He says it would have been f- at least 40 minutes longer and he would have really had like left more room for the emotional stakes of what everybody's going through instead of, what we end up with, which I don't want to jump ahead to my final thoughts too much, but it really feels like uh, the same thing I felt when I left the rise of Skywalker, where I'm like, that should have been two movies and they rushed everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that checks the box right there. <laughs> uh, hey man, even Chris Claremont, the guy who wrote the dark Phoenix saga, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I'm pretty sure I'll say it when I get to the project. He admitted, like, the Phoenix Saga is a trilogy in itself. You can't just jump right into it and expect to, like, cram as much as you can in it because there's so much journey in it being put in there. But to complement what you're saying about Matthew Vaughn, I think Vaughn had the right idea, like, from the get-go. And you can see it in First Class. When he does First Class, it's it's brilliant. It's a brilliant film. I, I will speak very highly of First Class. Uh, when we get there uh, but yeah whew. but oh my gosh what were they what were they on when they did this movie I have no idea and I mean if I had not checked the runtime with my coworker, the first sign of things to come would have been right away because you set this pattern of let's open with this really cool narration about mutation and you do yes. that in two movies and then the third one Nope. <laughs> hey, remember when we had a crawl in episode one and two? Should we do that in number three? Nope. Nope. <laughs> At least they had the decency to still have the, the big X door after the opening credits and do because like I was but regardless. So that's your that's your first sign that something is amiss. Yeah. Um and then we oh by the way, I, I should show this off before we actually get into the, the plot here. Do you oh, have this DVD? 
I do not. No, so uh, I. You know what though? For the first for the first X Men film we should have done, I do have X Men one point five DVD. That's a beautiful one. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, for those who are listening only. I'm um, holding up my copy of X Men three on DVD, and this is back when some tender love and care was put into DVDs. And so this one, maybe a bit more care than the movie deserves, but it's just a big old X, and it opens like a couple doors. Ooh. And you've got all the characters standing on the Golden Gate Bridge in this big, nice little panorama thing. Yeah. Um, and then inside is the actual DVD, but you also get an original comic book written by Stan Lee in there where he's like oh, meeting X-Men characters and stuff. And he's like, oh my God, I met Wolverine and he's unstoppable and like all that stuff. Um, but yeah, this, just, this is a total campaign for why physical media should still be a thing. Yes. <laughs> um, oh boy, yeah, totally. Don't even get me started on that. Um, but we open with a, a flashback. Well, um, we open with the cla- the now what is the staple of Marvel, the flipping comic books. Yes. Um, wow. Uh, but yes, we go into the the visit of the the Gray House. The Gray uh, House. Yes. And I could be wrong, Ryan. I hope I'm not wrong, because this is very exciting to me if it is. Is this the first time ever that actors were digitally de-aged? It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you know what? Well, I, I think, because I think Benjamin Button was the kind of the one where they played with aging on, on a digital level, and I don't remember... I don't remember if it was before or after. I'm gonna maybe I'll take a look, quick look, but I'm pretty sure it was after. It was definitely it, after. It was yeah. at least 2007. Yeah. Um, okay. So kind of a benchmark here, and it's it's kind of cool that it happens in a Marvel movie because they really have like the MCU really kind of took that and made it a big part of their identity. Mm-hmm. Like when they showed young Tony Stark and everything, like it really became a thing that they did a lot. So yeah. I think it's cool that it happened here. And you know what? It's not terrible. No, it's honestly, you know, I did put that like, it's a bit, it's a bit like, it's a bit, um, it's descent- jarring. Yeah. It's a bit jarring. That's the word. It's a bit jarring at first. Cause you're like, wow, that's, a, <laughs> like, that's an approach. I did say, I literally said it's, it's a bit awkward, but respect. Cause like they, they, they still did it. You know what I mean? Like at first, like you said, it's a bit jarring. But then you take a moment, and you're like, they they went for it at this time when the technology was really young. So so you know what? Nothing but respect. And and on that note, I do love them meeting Gene. I love that scene. It's it's a really strong scene to like. First of all, you know, seeing the duality of Jean Grey, uh, but the approach of like, hey, I have a school. You know, like that. Like the, the speech of him recruiting, because you don't see enough of that. And even in the cartoon, like he, the cartoon, he never did it. Like Charles never had those moments of like, I have a school, you know, for, you know, people like you that are special, blah, blah, blah. You know, like all that stuff that never, they never really took the time to explain in the cartoon that much. It was more Cyclops going to Jubilee's place and being like, hey, you should come. But it was very rare that Xavier ever did it. Um, and so it was nice to have that moment and really kind of go into that scene. And then even Magneto, like, oh, wow, she's really powerful. So it, it was a really kind of nice moment. I, I really did enjoy it. Yeah, I like seeing Charles and Eric 
like back before things mm-hmm. went south with them. Like I just love seeing them as friends. Yeah. Um, I don't love what they do with Gene in this movie though. And I don't know. I don't, I've never read the Dark Phoenix story. So I don't know how it's how really it's, good. But <laughs> like I I know she she meets the thing in space and it you know tangles with her, but I don't like the idea of what they do here where it's just like sometimes Gene is an asshole. Like I, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, mm. especially because the Gene we've known for two movies is not that. She's a very compassionate person. And now all of a sudden it's like, I can kill you if I want. Where's this coming from? Yeah. <laughs> It's true, uh, but, like, it's because Gene's power kind of creates, like, you know, as a kid, you know, sometimes we have that, like, inner voice that's really harsh on ourselves. It, it, the kind of the way that Gene has it was there is, like, a dark side to her, and that inner voice is very loud, I will say, to a point where it's, like, almost there is a duality to her, um, but Xavier teaches her to repress it, and then the Phoenix, uh, uh, the Phoenix is kind of, like, this naive force of nature. Right, doesn't really understand the complexity of human emotions. So when it, boom, like collides with Jean, it goes into kind of like her um, her id, right, and inside of her, and it like realizes that it's like pure emotion, like pure like if it's happy, it's pure happiness. If it's anger, it's pure anger. And it and and through that combination of the Phoenix Force and like this this suppressed version of gene like you see in the cartoon they kind of have this moment where they explain that like she is feeling emotions for the first time through the dark side of gene so everything that she's experiencing like cyclops love she's feeling that to like a thousand percent right so she goes to crave things and like and and wants things a certain way um, which is interesting because, like, even when uh, Dark Phoenix finds Logan's love, she like, kind of like manipulates him a bit. So there's there's a really kind of really fun story there. So that's where that dark side. They again, they didn't let the story breathe. Like they just kind of like, okay, just showing you this is what she's like. Okay, well, let's move on. And like, mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, whoa, like you know, you're just like, r- like you're just riding the horse to this crazy story. So that's that's where that's coming from. Okay. Yeah. They, um, mm-hmm. for some reason they were like, let's throw Phoenix into the shortest movie we've made so far. And it'll translate somehow. They, they really shoehorned it in. Like, yeah. It, in. it um, gives me mad venom vibes from Spider-Man three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's fairly accurate. You know, one thing I did put in there is a note as well. And it's not something that's like new, but like, it's just, I don't know. I just like I was paying attention to it this time, but like, man, I forgot about Stan Lee cameos, man. Like, mm. I missed the guy. I just missed the guy. I know. Uh, is this his first one in the next movie too? Because no, see, that's movie. the thing. I don't think it is. It's it's not. It's not because he. I'm pretty sure he was in the first. Yeah, he was in the he was in X two in the museum. Um, oh. When everyone's frozen, and uh, oh, wow, I never. Yeah, he's also in the first one, but I can't remember where he is in the first one. Huh. That's cool. He's like a wall. Oh, no, he's on the beach. He's on the beach when uh, the senator comes back. You're right. That I remember. Yeah. And he's getting the hot dog. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I was like, this one stood out the most. And I'm like, wait, is this his first one? Um, mm-hmm. Now, have you ever been a fan of Angel? 
<laughs> That's actually my next note. Um, <laughs> no, I, I've been a fan of Archangel, uh, mm-hmm. which is after Angel becomes like Apocalypse's servant of the and becomes the Angel of Death. Uh, but I've never been a fan of of Angel when he was like the original X Men and like all that stuff is like ugh. he's kind of too noble for me. <laughs> I really never knew much about him aside from hearing other people say, like as a kid, hearing them say, "Oh, he becomes Archangel and he gets metal wings." I'm like, okay, that's neat. Um, but <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah, cool. And he shows up in the Genesis game, and I'm like, oh, that's him, neat. But I had no sort of knowledge of him one way or the other. And I think in this movie, they get a great actor like Ben Foster. And I can't think of a time when a character has had less to do. Um, And it really feels like ever since I've started teaching acting, I started noticing moments in movies where a lot of times what will happen is I'll write a script for my class and then all of a sudden, my studio director will be like, Andrew, I'm so sorry. We just got a new kid who wants to join the class. Can you insert a role for them in the script you just wrote? That happened with Angel, guaranteed. Uh, if, if anybody listening saw the last Disney movie that came out at Christmas, Wish, I guarantee the exact same thing happened with the goat who gets the ability to talk. I guarantee that's what happened because he talks to the whole movie and nobody ever acknowledges or listens to him. But anyways, that happened to Angel here because we we end up with this character and I was trying to figure out who to give credit to. It was either my friend Will or my friend Robin, but one of them in high school, after we saw this, they spent the next several weeks making fun of Angel by doing this thing where they're like, hey, guess who I am? And they go like this and they pretend to catch one person who's falling and then they just fly away. <laughs> like, they don't contribute anything else. Oh my God. You know, it's funny too, because Ben Foster, he also did the Punisher movie uh, mm-hmm. a little later on. Uh, but yeah, like oh, it, was, it was awkward, man. I will say though, it was brutal. Uh, and again, this kind of makes me go, man, X-Men had some gen moments that they were like really solid moments that they were doing in the movies. Like Angel, like, cutting his wings off like like, and hiding it from his dad like it really covers those like it really captures those moments of what made the comics so special and like how we relate to like those experiences of like hiding some something that's like a like you know part of us and how we like you know suppress it and hide it away and don't want anyone to find it um and i was like man like this like these x-men movies could have been so much more like it could have hit so much harder uh, and it's, it was that scene that I was like, man, like that, like I, I put like, man, just brutal. Like that was my reaction to that scene. It was just brutal to watch. And his dad just sees it. And he's just like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is so terrible. His dad is so disgusted. Meanwhile, his son is like the most beautiful mutant that there could possibly be on the face of the earth. 100%. And like, especially because of like, you, you, when you think about like, you know how like uh how uh i'll just put it this way how popular christianity is is like it's kind of yeah. like you know it's kind of like like you you don't think his dad would have been like oh wow my son's the real angel like like come on like imagine if that guy had been toad's father uh, you're right i think he would have burned his child at the stake absolutely um but yeah you know what's funny though too i'll add one last note is that um is that Ben Foster being Ben Foster being in uh, X Men as Angel? 
uh, I am sure you remember that uh, Mr. John Bourgeois, uh, he actually knows Ben Foster. <laughs> I don't remember this. I do. I absolutely 100% do. And I was like, because he's like, he was talking about either doing a movie with him or like, I just can't remember. Like, he just knows him. And, and, and he mentioned it during class. And I was just like, <laughs> like, like just see like you see all the dudes you just see my head like <laughs> like oh my god we're two degrees separation from <laughs> and then john bourgeois ended up being in east style gamers favorite x-men movie days of future past remember that's right he did yeah i i saw that i saw that uh i remember watching days of future past on like a plane or something and it got to the uh end credits or, or closer to the end of the movie, and he's there. And I was just like, <laughs> and you know what? It was probably because of this guy, right? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, man, hmm, man, maybe there's something to these. <laughs> maybe there's something. That Ryan student kept talking about those movies. I swear to God. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a bigger Leonardo DiCaprio meme reaction in a movie theater than seeing our old teacher be a soldier in an X-Men would be like, oh! <laughs> um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah, we'll get there. But, uh, but moving on, so this was a big moment for me, though, because speaking of that, like, oh, like big moment in the movies, the danger room mm-hmm. is is dropped in this movie. And, and of course, like, Wolverine always has the most badass moments in all these movies. Like, he's literally smoking a cigar and there's explosions happening around and he's just like, and you're just like, oh yeah, Wolverine, mate. Like you just <laughs> if it's one character they got right in any capacity, it's Wolverine. They just they're like, you know what, let's just give an explosion, just add that little extra flair, right? But but not only that, we got the Sentinels as well. And we Naruto. almost got the Sentinels. Yeah. We, I mean, <laughs> you saw his head though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the Sentinels we know and love, but it was still the closest thing, like, you know. Mm-hmm. It was it was as if a fan, uh, you know, wanted to sneak a Sentinel into a movie, and they had no budget to do it, and that's what we got. Exactly, and we got a fastball special. That's right, well. yeah, the fastball special maneuver. I was, um, I, I was, I was, I also put that note in there that like it was nice to see. It was nice to see X Men maneuvers. Like yeah. I don't know why we don't see more. Like you know what I mean? Like all those moments of like. Iron Man shoots at Cap Shield and it bounces. Like there should be twenty of those in X Men, right? Because there's so many people. Well, yeah, like we we do get some though. We got we got Rogue doing the the, the using Colossus's power. Yes, right? and yeah. that was really cool. Um, and then and then Kitty uh hugging Iceman and the missile goes through through mm-hmm. them. But like, yeah, we should be seeing like every every few seconds. You know, we should be seeing a move like that. It was it was awesome. I just love seeing that. That might be the the strong suit that this movie has in its favor is that it nailed the way the x-men fight as a team mm-hmm. um but we you mentioned how logan is you know smoking his cigar and everything and all that stuff and that brings me to one thing that i never even thought of until now rewatching it but it is kind of unfortunate which is uh cyclops is still super bummed out about gene and on the flip side of that, Logan is literally the happiest we have ever seen him. <laughs> yeah. He's having the time of his life. There's a bit of a disparity there. Um, and it's, 
it's it's too bad because then it you know the whole movie continues based on this thing they're trying to shove down our throats, which is Logan loves Gene so much, and yet you know he's not as broken up about it as I think he should be if he really loved her that much. Uh, we do get the great line out of it where Scott says to him like nobody heals as fast as you, Logan, right? Um, but it's it's a shame because that should have carried through. He should have been so happy to have her back. Mm-hmm. And so sad that she's dead that it you know that should have been a through line and it wasn't and it just felt kind of clumsy in that way. No, oh, absolutely. Oh, it was so weird, man. It's like lost. It's just oh, he's going. She's getting dragged through the dirt. Um, but <laughs> you know, I gotta give James Marsden props though. He he looked he looked like Cyclops, and I'll give him that. Um, oh yeah, man. They we don't get to spend a lot of time with him as a character, honestly. Um, but we do get we do get our first uh, shot of Beast. What a better way to introduce him than using his glasses to like look at a painting. <laughs> it's so good. I, oh, as my favorite X-Man, Beast was something that I just, I needed to see happen. Yes. And I have felt this way for many years and I still feel this way. When it comes to superhero movies and who they get to play superhero movies, there's two pieces of casting that have never ever been surpassed by just how brilliant they are. And that's Kelsey Grammer as Beast and J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. It is, to this day, there has never been better page-to-screen translation of a funny book character, period. Um, and the fact that it happened in this movie <laughs> is, is a strange fact to... to to really think about and it reinforces my belief right and i want to know how you feel about this but i said earlier how this really feels like there's two movies here that should have been made right there's a movie about the cure and then there's a movie about phoenix and for some reason they slap the two together and cut them yeah. up in half right i feel like we're not watching x-men 3 it feels like we're watching x-men 4 because nightcrawler is gone and nobody's talking about him but now Beast is part of the team and everybody's talking about him like he's been there forever. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, oh, Beast, sure. you're always welcome here. Yes, of course. And, oh, my old friend Beast. And we're just sitting there like, what What did we miss here, guys? <laughs> did, did I skip a movie? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's really what it feels like. It's like when on Netflix when you accidentally skip an episode of a show and you're like, wait a minute. Why is he dead now? Uh, <laughs> that's. Do you agree with this? Am I crazy? No, I agree. I totally agree. Honestly, it feels like uh, it feels like we skipped. It does feel like we skipped the story, and it, and it's sad too because not only do we get Beast, and they're all like, "Oh yeah, Beast, you're part of this place. You've always been here." And it's like, "Whoa, hold on a second, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've watched the last two movies many a times, and I don't remember seeing him except for one small cameo." Uh, but not only that, when we saw him in, I think X one. In my notes, I think that's what it was. Or X2. Yes, part two on the TV. Yeah, yeah, he's on the TV. He's still in human form. So <laughs> so there's something missing to that. And then not only that, he's the secretary of mutant affairs. Since when did he just jump? And since when was the government like, you know what? Mutants aren't that bad. Let's bring on a mutant into the government. Like, <laughs> There's a huge chunk of story missing from that. And that's what I love about um, the cartoon. And again, my theory of if the cartoon does it right, 
Uh, the cartoon, Beast goes to jail for breaking into government facility. Then he earns a pardon from Senator Kelly. And then he starts becoming a liaison in terms of providing, um, uh, yeah, providing like details on mutant affairs. Like when the, the outbreak with Bishop, the, the mutant um, disease outbreak, he, prov he provided to the court like, hey, this isn't a you know, mutant born disease. This is a manufactured disease. So like, like, where's all that story? That could have been, that could have been the entire third movie is literally Beast's journey from being a prisoner all the way to going into legislation or, or sorry, going into the government and like doing mutant affairs and then finding out that like there's potential cure. And then yes. that's the whole story. Like that, that could have easily been a whole movie. Yeah. Gene could have come back in that movie and people mm -hmm. have been like, oh, what's going on with her? And you plant those seeds so yeah. that you get some Phoenix in the next one. But having that as a movie and having Beast be the focus rather than Wolverine be the focus, like, yeah, why not? Oh, man, they, they, it's slowly turned into a Wolverine and the X-Men movie pretty fast. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It, it happens pretty quick. Um, but I also, that's not the first scene we see Beast with the glasses. But we find Beast having many Beast moments where the first scene we do see him is he's reading upside down uh yeah. and the warning comes in which is a great moment then he goes into the government and then they're like they're updating him that they caught um mystique and the whole mystique thing there um but one thing i thought was interesting was they have secretary trask and again mm -hmm. a character who's not really reached government level and all of a sudden he's he's part of the government when did that happen <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. Um anyway, moving on. Uh so we have also a cameo from Moira Moira Metagart. Uh, yeah, she's got uh someone in a coma. Oh and I did this 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 scene really got my goat. <laughs> like someone in a coma and Charles Xavier's like, what you know, what do we think about you know transplanting consciousness and all this stuff? Just like, are you serious? <laughs> Oh God, this movie was all over the place. <laughs> it, yeah, it really was. Um, and that's the only scene we get with Moira until the very, very end. Mm -hmm. um, she's really more of a cameo. And it's funny because the, the woman they got to play here looks exactly like Moira McTaggart looks like in all the books and everything too. Like she, they really got her down. Um, then we get this church scene that happens where everybody in the church is like angry because uh, Mag and Magneto's trying to start something here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got I got some notes here on this. One. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. There's there's a lot going on in this church. First of all, the guy we see talking on the altar. Yeah, um, great uh, actor though. I have to I have to look up his name. Do you know his name offhand? No, I don't. Okay. I, I have seen him in movies, and I, I do love the guy. He's a fun character. So I don't know if this is the guy I'm thinking of because when I look in his IMDb, it doesn't show X Men Three. But there's an actor named Bruce Spence. Mm -hmm. And this guy looks exactly like him. And I thought it was him. And I got really excited because Bruce Spence was this, he's this, I, I don't know if he's still working, but he, uh, in the 2000s, he played a part in every big trilogy, but only in part threes of the trilogies. He oh. was in, yeah, it, it just worked out that way. He was in Narnia part three. He was in Matrix Part 3, he was in Return of the King, and he was in Revenge of the Sith. And I, I, 
when I saw him, I'm like, oh my god, is he oh, also I in X Men? Talking about, I know. Yeah. Fun fact though, I, I can break your, I can break your. He's only been in part threes <laughs> pretty quickly. Oh, what else was he in? He's in, he's in Mad Max: The Road Warrior, which is a sequel. No, no it's not the third part. That's second. right. It's part two. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, in the in the two thousands, he was the king of capping off trilogies, and I thought this was him, and I got excited, but I don't think it is. It just kind of looks like him. Yeah, yeah. Nah. But uh, Magneto takes the stand away from him pretty quick. So I, I love this scene because like. <laughs> And again, like there's some solid moments here, but in terms of like, in terms of just like going off the rails at this point, <laughs> oh god. Okay, so <laughs> first of all, my first comment about this scene is, man, they did Psylocke dirty. <laughs> first of all, Psylocke in the X Men comics in the '90s, she was like like peak fame okay she's like one of the coolest characters um uh not for only what she wears because like you know she, she wears an outfit um mm-hmm. but she's a badass character man she got like purple dagger you know that she creates with her mind pretty fun ninja-like character who doesn't like ninjas in the 90s as you know <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> just like and then in the in the cartoon she only got like two episodes maybe three if we're lucky i, I can't remember um sorry and just like this movie like she's just like a background character (laughs) and you wouldn't know it's her but but because she has that scar you're like oh wow just like they went there that sucks (laughs) um so i literally put i literally put they did psylocke dirty because like it was bad um and then, and then, so Magneto finds these three mutants, and they have the guy with the spikes. And I love the actor who plays this guy, mm-hmm. the guy with the spikes that comes out. I think his, I think his mutant name is Spike. Um, uh, no, he is Spike. Is another guy. Spike is the guy in the woods who throws like his wrist. Oh, finger right, yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy, even though it's nothing like the comic, he's listed. He's credited as Kid Omega. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I think I. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I. Can't remember his his uh, comic book uh, counterpart's name, but I love that actor. He's he's a phenomenal actor. I, yeah. I love him in Lost. He was awesome in Lost. Um, he also did a, a really good indie film. If you want like a good like to see like his some of his best acting, I think it was called The Shanghai Kiss. Um, it's a it's a story about him like going back to China and like discovering his roots. It's a really solid story. If you're looking for a good like kind of actor's exploration and it was also uh his co-star was at the peak of her fame at that time it was uh hayden penetier hayden penetier oh i love hayden penetier yeah so yeah. she was it she was in it as well she does she does a good job in that movie too um but anyway so i just don't like what they did with him and that 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 the x3 there um yeah and then, okay, so then they have this other mutant who's super fast, and I don't know her character's name, but she also has the ability to conveniently detect mutants in the room. And then I put, I put, what's with the class system? And since when did they have a class system? What is that all about? You know when they introduced the class system, Ryan? And that what? other third movie that we never got to see, apparently. Because now all of a sudden right. everybody's like, you're a class two mutant. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> squeeze me baking powder like what <laughs> there's a whole amazing story about america coming to terms with mutant kind and 
they just decided not to tell that story and just tell us about Jean Grey being mad. Like, how is she able to, like, she detects mutants and and she understands their abilities, but how was she able to define a class system? And how does she know that, like, like you know, like, I just don't know. There's so, I have so many questions about that that one statement. Like she looks great, and I I think that little trio, the little trio they have there, they look awesome. They look super boss. I'm really feeling what they're what they're pushing out there. Very 2000 teen angst kind of leather look mm-hmm. going. Love it, love it. But so many questions, so many questions. And well. Poor- Poor Psylocke, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, poor Psylocke. And I mean, if you think they did Psylocke dirty, wait till you see what, because that that character who's speedy and who can sense what class you are, um, you mentioned you didn't know her name. Are you ready to know which mutant she's playing? Yes. That's Callisto, leader of the Morlocks. No! That's Callisto! That's Callisto. <laughs> oh my god what were they thinking Uh, what were they on seriously like (laughs) so apparently there's a morlock whose name i can't remember and that morlock uh is a it's like a big guy and he has the ability to sense other mutants and what they did was they took that power yeah they smooshed it with super speed they gave it to this lady and I guess somebody figured, hey, Callisto's a lady. Let's call her Callisto. <laughs> so this is, I, I mean, you know, I think for Marvel, I think I think they're at a point now where if you like join the MCU on a crew perspective, I'm pretty sure they have a textbook and there's a chapter of like how not to do the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Number one textbook example of what happens when you don't read the comics or you throw them out the window. That's like that has reached levels of the Spider-Man Bono musical in how much they just don't understand what they're attacking. <laughs> um, wow, yeah. So yeah. that's Callisto. Um, and then there's um, Magneto starts putting his team together. Uh, and he wants well, this to doesn't happen yet because Cyclops Cyclops has his death scene. Oh, that's right. Yes, I forgot about Cyclops' death. Yeah, which I remember. I I put this as a note because I do remember this. This was the topic of much debate, like mm. of of much debate outside. Like the minute everyone came out of that theater, that's just like the first topic. They're like, they killed Cyclops. Like you've gone too far. Like what? Have, <laughs> what have you done? You have you as as Mark Hamill once said when the Last Jedi was finishing filming, you have profoundly changed the essence of of X Men. Uh, so yeah, no, they just like, but I I put there that like James Mar James Marsden wanted to be written out so he could do Superman Returns without breaking contracts. So mm-hmm. um, power to him. Yeah, uh, I mean he was. He wasn't given much to do in part two. And it, it's just a shame that it really does kind of happen off screen. Yeah. And from what I read, it was going to be even worse. It was going to be not only off screen, but like you don't even see Cyclops in the movie and they just mention that he died. Um, which is like, 
as far as writing goes, like I don't think it gets cheaper and more insulting than that. If there's like yeah. brand name and then great value and then the dollar store, that is the writing equivalent of whatever's cheaper than the dollar store. Yeah. That's like the bootleg stuff that you find in another country that has Spider-Man on it, but it says spider bat. Like it's, it's, it's just shameful. So I'm glad they didn't go that route. Definitely shameful. Now we can, so yeah. So then Cyclops essentially just blows up. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then, then we get a little more backstory on the, the Phoenix and I can't remember. I can't remember how they explain it. But essentially, I think my understanding was genes like the next evolution of mutants. So, like, there's mutants, and then there's genes level of mutants. Yes. And I was just like, just no. Like, where are you going with this? Why? Why are we? Why are we subject to this? Like, who thought that was a good idea? Like, like, hey, you know how we fix this? Instead of doing the whole space thing, you know, and like, you know, using space, why don't we just say that this is within her, and now she's the next evolution? And I was just like. Yeah. Oh what were they just like who proved this <laughs> and you know what if done right that yeah. could have been a totally fine alternate way to have the phoenix in your movie yeah like they're really trying to sell this idea of the world has accepted mutants and beast is working for the president and there's a class system in that world if you have like 10, 20 years of the mutants and humans living in harmony. And then all of a sudden there's like super duper mutants. And then it's like, Oh, now what do we do? That's an interesting story, mm -hmm. but it takes time to make that story. Interesting. More time than the very admittedly short runtime of this film. So like they're, they're really trying to get as much into this space as they could. And it just goes to show that, that needs room to breathe. It does. You can't. You can't yeah. do this. Mm -hmm. Claremont was right. You can't do it. Can't do it. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So yeah. Just not a fan of the way they explain Phoenix. Um, and uh, yeah, just just uh, to wrap up the, the Phoenix part, like the whole professor dying too. Like the, clearly, this movie's just off the rails. It was killing Charles just right out of the gate. Like it's just. I didn't like that either. Um, I like though. I like though that we did get the repeat of like you know Charles and uh, 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 Eric going to the house again, mm -hmm. and and then you know this time around they're, clearly they're so different now that like they're both going in there for two different things. So I, I love that. But again, it was kind of an unearned scene. Like it would have been really cool if we weren't at that stage yet, but like we saw them trying to recruit, you know, and having that, that would have been really cool. Um, yeah. yeah. That house had the one scene in this movie that gave me an emotional response. Yeah. And like you just put it, man, it's unearned. And then it goes away like that. Cause it's after Xavier dies, like the second he gets blown up, which, by the way, when Gene kills people in this movie, it looks like the blip, um, the way they just sort of dissolve. But when Xavier dies, Magneto has that one quick shot of him where he goes, Charles! And to me, that was that's my favorite part of this movie. 
I'm like, oh my God, like that's that's still his friend. At the end of the day, that's still his friend. And he's heartbroken because he just watched him die. And we know they have a history. And despite how evil Magneto can be, like they they have been through thick and thin together. And I loved that reaction. And of course, it's Ian McKellen. He's gonna do a great performance. And he gives you that that shock and and pain and loss in that one word of just yelling his name. And then the smoke clears, and then right away he's just like, Come with me, Gene. Let's go build our army. I'm like, wait a minute. We've you got it. You'll get a chance to breathe in this movie. <laughs> like, oh. Was there somebody on set with like a stopwatch? Like, come on, it's got to be shorter. It's got to be shorter. Um, yeah, that was the continuity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So, like they, but, but like the other thing too, and especially I like your point there about like, uh magneto calling out for charles because mm -hmm. if it's one thing uh both ian and and patrick did so well was was really capturing the relationship between the two and the amount of respect they have for each other and though i didn't pick up the same way you did about his his cry out for charles um i did pick up later when pyro's like yeah you know f charles xavier you know he got what he he got it. Like he died, right? And then and Magneto stops him, and he's like, "Charles didn't deserve to die." Like he literally stops him in his tracks and is like, "No, that's no." Like he's so disappointed, and it's kind of like it's kind of like the, their whole confrontation is built on them trying to meet each other's vision, and yes. like be like, "I need you to see it my way," and that's that's what they're fighting for. Is and it's not about it's not about physically besting one another. It's why aren't you seeing it my way? And and they're both fighting for that. And that's why I love the scene when when Pyro's like, he's like, yeah, man, it's good that Charles is out of the way now. You know, X-Men won't be a problem. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, Charles didn't deserve that. You yeah. know what I mean? And it was it was a nice, it was, and again, this is where that, like this whole X-Men saga is like, there's so many solid moments that you had like such a promising thing that you were building on. See, they would. I would have taken that a step further um, with the pyro scene, mm -hmm. uh, where when pyro says that, I would have had Magneto uh, like get really pissed off and like do something to pyro. Like he's gonna throw a beam at it. Like he's gonna kill him essentially. Like pins up up to a tree. Like ah! But then he has a moment in his head where we see him think, "This is not what Charles would do." Yeah, and he lets him go, and basically. Pyro, like, hey, you little shit, you're alive right now because of Charles Xavier, right? Because I'm, I'm trying to respect the way he thought. He, yeah, he even admitted in the lines, I think, where he's like, Charles has done more for this world than you'll ever, you'll ever know, mm -hmm. something like that. And it was just like, and he's like, it's just a shame that it had to end there. I think that was the line, and it's, it's beautiful. Um, though I agree with you, though I, I do agree with you. I do think there are times when, when, when you can tell the characters holding it back the whole time. And there's that, there's that, there's that moment of like, will he do it? And, and it's like, and, it, and it's because he doesn't makes him even more intimidating. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that, 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 that's there. But I mean, I, I coin flip it, man. I, I, I enjoyed the way they did it in there. And I also could enjoy it the way, even the way you admit it for sure. Yeah. RIP. Professor Art. Rex. Yeah. Um, uh, but, so now let's talk about, because we kind of jumped ahead, but like, let's talk about the recruitment of the new mm, members of the Brotherhood. Yes. Okay. 
First of all, just one quick thing before we dive into it. Yeah. I love when he flipped the truck. I, you know, oh. I, the way Magneto's powers in this, they're so simple, but man, is it fun to watch. Like, let me tell you, just the simple, like, oh. like oh. it's simple, but it's so satisfying every time, too. Even though he's the villain, we love just seeing him like mess with the with the humans. Yeah. Um, so in the same way that Beast is my favorite X-Man, um, my favorite X-Men villain is Juggernaut. So I don't like where this is going. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I don't know how I knew ahead of time, but I knew we were getting Juggernaut. And it was finally happening. And he pops out. And I don't hate this Juggernaut, but I by no means like him either. I would say I begrudgingly accept this juggernaut. Uh, and I didn't realize that's a bodysuit he's wearing. It looks pretty convincing. I don't know. I thought, I was just like, oh, I thought Vinnie Jones was just a huge man. But no, he's, he's wearing a bodysuit, which makes sense because juggernaut is not a person of human proportions, right? You can't do him, you can't just have a guy who's like, I lift a lot of weights, I'll play juggernaut. It's, no, sit down, sweetheart. <laughs> you can't play juggernaut. Um, so what we got looks fine. Um, it's not my juggernaut, but I thought for the most part, they did a decent, acceptable job. I, I personally love the sound effect of the way he runs, the, the way there's a tremor. It's just, it, it felt right. It, the weight of him felt right. But uh, it could have been way better, but it could have been way worse too. <laughs> I, I put, and I quote, one second, I gotta find it. They did Juggernaut so dirty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where is he in here? Oh, he's all the back. He looks better in this, in this poster than he does uh, in the actual movie. Yeah. Um, again, I really, I, I really I, don't like the helmet they did. I don't know why they didn't just give him a more medieval looking dome like helmet like he does in the, the cartoon. Um, uh, and Red, what do you have against the color red? Why can't he be wearing red? Uh, and uh, of course, they, and this is like me being super nerdy here and pushing up my glasses. And normally, you know, this, I don't care about this kind of thing too much. But they very clearly, by the end of the movie, they say he is a mutant. When in fact, we all know that's not the case. That's no. part of what makes him special. He's a guy with a magic helmet. So, uh, fun fact. Uh, in case you didn't know this, as I am a fan of this particular area of storytelling within Marvel, the Crimson Bands of Sidorak, right? Uh, Sidorak being the uh, alien force that also gave power to the unstoppable juggernauts. Mm -hmm. um, so these, uh, if you read enough Doctor Strange comics, all the powers he has are all from aliens uh, kind of passing down their disciplines to the to the ancient one and that's why there's the shielding powers of the vashanti and there's all these you know the the, the crimson bands of sidorax the flames of the Faltine, the all those calling outs of spells they're all alien forces that have um bestowed their disciplines onto the ancient one and adapt and the ancient one adapts it to uh to a being able to cast it like magic um you know it's it kind of call harkens back to thor's you know saying that you know uh asgardians 
come from a place where magic and science are one and the same. Same idea with these aliens. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's essentially magic, right? Um, but yes, Juggernaut is uh, is a, uh, a mystical force that is is brought by Sidorak. It is like Sidorak's... Sidorak, uh, it's essentially Sidorak himself. Like the, the, I think, I'm pretty sure that's the way it is. Or... Or like if Sidorak's knight or forces, like that's that's the general uh, that you summon. So uh, and that 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 general's power gets built uh, built into you. And then Kane Marco, uh, I think he was a prisoner. I think if that's if I'm not mistaken, he was serving a sentence or something. And he was and he was out on an archaeological dig, and he happened to find the gem of Sidorak, and and you know became the juggernaut um so yes uh long story short yes he's not a mutant he is he is he is built by magic so i guess i they nerfed him in this one by making him a mutant mm -hmm. yeah and it's i mean i get it it's not the end of the world i mean they it's a bit late in the game to be introducing magic even though they seem to think it's a fine point in the game to be introducing a class system uh <laughs> But again, that's why I, I say of this juggernaut that he's by no means what I call him a good adaptation, but it could have been way worse. I was prepared to be disappointed at this point when I first watched it by how they tackled him. And I was just only very mildly disappointed. Um, I mean, it literally, it's... I do think with this character, you need to go like Deadpool two kind of did it right, where you need to just go all in, um, yeah. and uh, and and just have have fun going all in with this character. But you know, that was a realistic and grounded approach to building the Juggernaut. Is what I will say. Very um, much so. Very much so. And it was a nice kind of cheeky moment to do um, Multiple Man. It was a nice kind of, but he was kind of, Multiple Man was kind of like the kind of level level of characters I would, you know, see in an X-Men film for sure. Uh, I also put, because there's kind of like these side moments of story here while he's recruiting these uh, teammates, the, uh, the Kitty Pride and Bobby story, very bizarre. Very mm -hmm. awkward. And clearly, again, another rushed part of the story. And again, if you focus just on the cure story, I really do think that that story could have breathed a bit more and made sense. Like, you know, Rogue naturally, especially being that young, would feel the pressures of, you know, that time, that age yeah. frame. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and you know, I, I do think it's, there were some moments there that, that did work, but like, it's, it just because of the how like this roller coaster ride of storylines that were going on, it just kind of it felt like it was just not needed. Like it just didn't need to be there. Um, but I do like that Rogue was like interested in the cure because in the, in the cartoon they did it as well. She was like tempted to get it because yeah. because of her condition, right? So, uh, but yeah, I just I literally put Kitty Bobby Rogue love triangle is just so weird. It was it was really weird in this movie. It was it was weird, and like everything else, it was not given enough time to be fleshed out. And if this movie was just about the cure and not the phoenix, the way mm -hmm. I think it should have been, you probably would have it'd be a different story that we'd be talking about here. They would have spent more time on that. They would have spent more time of, I see Bobby with Kitty, and he looks happy with her, and I see the way they look at each other, and God, like I I want that, but I can't have that, and if I get the cure, I can have it. So you would have really had a, 
compelling like just quandary for this character to have to, to face and figure out and she's young so it's like you said she's going to be directed by thoughts where her brain isn't doing much of the thinking other parts of her are doing the thinking yeah so that see that just sounds like such a better movie than this and it's uh, it's a shame that that wasn't relegated to its own kind of plot um and the cure made for a lot of great moments too like we get this very out of the blue fast moment of mystique taking a, a cure bullet for her man and uh she loses her her shape-shifting powers and magneto just you know leaves her in the dust and i wrote in my notes i said Magneto is the only person on planet Earth who can look at a naked Rebecca Romaine and say, no thanks. It's true. It's it's a very, again, it's a very quick scene. It's just like, I do love his line delivery, though. He's like, you used to be so beautiful. I, I really love that. Like, his, like, you know, the whole mutant thing there. Um, yeah, no, yeah, it's just, it just, it happens very fast. Uh, I did also put though the Magneto moving the bridge. I remember, I remember in the trailer that was like a big moment, and mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, oh man! I, I I remember seeing that in the theater, and I just was still in awe of like the the scale of him being able to move the bridge and do the whole thing. Um, so yeah, I do remember that, and then yeah, so the uh, so yeah, Mystique taking the cure bullet, and then so getting into the Alcatraz War, um, which takes place. I love it. It's fun. It's it's a fun scene. It is literally like if if it's one thing you get out of this movie is seeing the X Men make the last stand, yeah. um, and and just having fun with that, um, and seeing Beast do his thing, wearing the uniform, and and having the fun there, uh, and how he fights is a lot of fun too. It was cool to see that, and and honestly, I think I don't know why. I mean, I understand why nowadays because Kelsey Grammer is older, and I'm sure he doesn't want to be buried under. A fursuit, but they did a good job on his makeup, man. Like he, they looked really good. Um, Very good job, and yeah, even really not only his makeup, but when he's wearing the suit—not the X Men suit, but like when he's wearing his business suit—he mm-hmm. fills it out properly. Like his shoulders are so broad, he looks so big. He looks like the cartoon. He doesn't. Yeah. He, the Beast we get later in the prequel movies. I hate the way they made him look. He just, he's just like this scrawny guy. And he's like, I, I have a blue face sometimes. And every once in a while I look human because <laughs> um, <laughs> this looked like how beast should look. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really fun. Um, and of course, uh, Elliot page uh, doing it actually a really good Kitty pride. I mean, she was mm-hmm. a fun Kitty pride character uh, again, but Kitty pride, another character that's been, in and out in these movies and then she kind of gets the center spotlight in the third movie because because why not um and so then we see the juggernaut go after the kid and uh go after leech which again leech was a weird casting choice as well yeah um i i like the actor they picked but it was just weird the way they did it the way they did leech um and uh and juggernaut goes in there goes after him and then, of course, you know, Kitty sinks him in. He goes, do you know who I am? I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. And he just, like, goes out of the ground. Um, do you know where that came from? Vaguely. I know there was, like, some guy on YouTube who would dub over the cartoon or something like that. 100%. It, it actually, that line came from an internet. The, probably, I, I actually said it was the rise of the internet meme. 
um, because that that's exactly what it was. A guy would do uh, fun dubs of X-Men cartoons and that's what he did. He's that, that was the line. And, and so to see it in the movie was kind of this like big moment of unity between the, the voice of the internet and like putting it in like a Hollywood film. Mm. Yeah. So that is kind of a benchmark moment. Cause that's, this was the internet was really young at this time. Like it was fairly young. So a mm -hmm. uh, huge, huge moment. Um, I also loved seeing Iceman finally get his ice skin. Uh, we didn't see, we hadn't seen that yet. Yes. And I mean, that, that's one thing, like, obviously it's nice to see that, but I do remember this being a thing for me, Ryan, and I, I, I wrote it here too. Um, we waited, at least I waited, three years to see Iceman and Pyro finally reunite and have their big showdown. Yeah. Because we know it's coming. Right, Pyro's a dick to him in the whole second movie. They're fire and ice. Of course, they're gonna fight. Right? I waited three years for that showdown, and when we get it, it's this lame little Dragon Ball Z thing. And I timed it this time because I I remember it being very short, so I I timed it. Thirty seconds. You wait three years, and then you get thirty seconds of. And then that's it. And I just think of how far we've come with like MCU showdowns, right? And I think of fights like Steve and Bucky versus Tony, or you know, just like the Avengers versus Ultron, and just how they do their fights and how big of a spectacle they make them. And then this was <laughs> okay. And man, was that ever a letdown. 100% it was. I do, although I do like the clever, like it was a very comic book defeat in the sense of like outsmarting your opponent and then like overcoming them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I agree with you. It's literally like a quick Dragon, dragon Ball moment. It's fairly, fairly good, sir. Uh, good form, good form. Um, but yes, it's it's so it's so brief and it's so quick. Um, yeah, and I mean, like I don't know why this movie had to be like an hour and forty minutes. <laughs> Uh, they could like an easy 10 minutes there could have been that Iceman pyro battle considering it's been like it was like a trilogy story arc and like it just just mm -hmm. kind of collapsed in on itself um but yeah the, the, the Alcatraz fight scene's fun I love seeing kind of like the war um and you know you see mutants getting the cure bullets and they're all like uh and just like turning back into humans um Wolverine has some fun moments obviously cutting the guy down he's regrowing his arms and he just kicks him in the nuts that's always do you, fun do you remember how you reacted when you first saw that no when when he cuts the guy's arm off I remember my friends and I sitting next to each other we were like oh my god he just sliced off a guy's arm yeah wow. and then the one time he slices an arm is the one time it's a guy who grows back limbs. And I remember my friends and I like looking at each other and just deflating like, oh. <laughs> I, I, I just, I remember, I remember just enjoying the fight scene for what it was. I, mm -hmm. I don't remember being shocked by like the arm cuttings. Um, but yeah, the, the kick in the nuts, that's, it's always a good one. <laughs> yeah, that is such a Wolverine move too. It's such a Wolverine sure. move. Um, yeah, it's so it it's the cure the whole cure bullets thing. It's fun. It, it was all right. Like it was a fun part of the story. And and then I love the that well they do the fastball special again, and then that Wolverine outsmarts Magneto, which is really good. Um, and then he, he becomes human. 
Uh, really enjoy that part of the story. What I don't enjoy in the in the end is that Rogue gets the cure. It literally defeats the entire purpose of the entire trilogy of accepting who you are. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and like this whole journey of like accept who you are we're mutants yeah and then like literally the key character who struggles with them struggles with it the most is like yeah i guess i'll get the cure and it's just, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> the first one we meet too she's the one we start this trilogy yeah. with her we start this story with her and in the, the you're right the main protagonist of like oh my god the whole thing the whole thing and in the end they're like well she gets the care <laughs> now i there's alternate endings on this dvd i think it says there's three of them and oh. i'm pretty sure i haven't watched them in decades yeah. but i'm pretty sure one of them is that she doesn't get the cure yeah um should have got that they should have stuck with that one yeah um and speaking of endings again the whole idea of Gene being such an afterthought, Phoenix being like, Phoenix is that kid who joined the class and now I have to throw another character into the script because yeah. like they do this whole battle with the Brotherhood and they, they stab Magneto with the cure and it's over and Magneto's like, ah, oh, I'm finished and whatever and the fight's over and now it's like, oh yeah, but there's Phoenix. Go get her, Logan. <laughs> and it's, it's so just extraneous uh, and it it's... Yeah, but it is painful for Wolverine. It's painful for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. I, don't even, I don't even really have any notes for that because it's just like it's just there. It's just, it's just there. You know, uh, it's, not, it's like you know he's gonna do it. Like it's just one of those things where it's just like, okay, like you know, like it's going there. Like Cyclops died, Xavier died, Jean's got to go. Like, mm -hmm. that's and it. she's done, man. She's yeah. According to these movies, he loves her so much. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's sad, I guess. Uh, we did get a cool new piece of music out of it. This movie has a new theme for the Phoenix, and it's a pretty good theme. So yeah. at least we got that. Um, but I do have what might be my favorite note I've ever had for Infinity Rewatch. Because I, this, the thought just came to me, Ryan. Mm -hmm. And I apologize for how R-rated I'm about to get here. Go for but, it. So Magneto, uh, at the end of it all, right, Rogue got the cure, right? And Magneto got the cure. And a bunch of other mutants got the cure. Um, so when we finish the movie, we see Magneto sitting in the park. He's got a, a metal chess set in front of him. He's playing chess by himself. He's very sad. Your heart breaks for him, even though he's been the villain here. You feel bad for the guy. And then he very slowly lifts his hand. And for a second, that chess piece wobbles. And his powers are coming back, which means the cure doesn't work, which means, Ryan, Bobby and Rogue are going to be in the middle of some sexy times, and then shit is going to go south real fast. <laughs> yup. That's, it's going to suck. <laughs> can we see that movie? <laughs> yes. Yes, we can. Uh you know, I also forgot, too, that, like, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, with no context, or sorry, with little to no context, um, we have, of course, uh, Worthington being thrown off a building, and just so happens the son just seems to know exactly where to go, mm -hmm. <laughs> and just swoops in to save the day. <laughs> to save one person, and then split. That's it. 
say. You just save one person. That's it. Oh God. Anyway, but we we talked about how okay, this is the first movie to do digital de aging. It's possibly the first movie to have a connection with an internet meme and to sort of break the fourth wall in that way. Yeah. Well, Ryan, there's a third benchmark of X-Men 3, The Last Stand. It's the first Marvel movie with a post credit scene. That's right. Oh, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> that uh, there's a lot of ribbons to pin on this motion picture. It's so... It is fascinating. It's, just, um, it's a real piece to study. Let me it tell is you. a real piece to study. Because uh, we get this this little scene of Moira McTaggart looking at her coma patient and all of a sudden it's Charles. That's it. <laughs> um, and it's funny because it felt like they were planting seeds here, but from what I read, there was no intention of doing an X-Men 4. Mm -hmm. It was literally like, we want to do spinoffs now. We want to do Wolverine. We want to do Magneto. So I want to know where they were going with that. Was it just there to be there? Yeah. I I think it was, I guess, to reassure the fans that Charles is still alive because it was such a controversial move. Oh, I, maybe. I honestly forgot all about that. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, I, I, I will say in our rewatch, I did not watch the incorrect sequence. Um, but uh, but I, I do remember that because I, I was so confused um, but yeah, it was one of those things where it was just like, what was the point of it? Like, what were you trying to do? Like, and it, even Charles's question before is still is the question now is like, should we have done it? Like, should, should a mutant mm -hmm. and do it? Should do it? Is it okay? Is it, it was mutant ethics is what it right. was. And it was like, if a mutant can, you know, what about this coma patient? If, if it could save a mutant, should we do it? Right. Um, or should a mutant be able to transfer their consciousness if it were, you know, if something bad were to happen to them? Uh, and he has this mutant ethics thing, kind of thing. And it's just like the same question for the audience. It's like, if he has the power to do it, should he do it? <laughs> you know I mean? It's it's so strange because, I mean, if they are trying to set the stage for something, you never even heard anybody talk about it afterwards. Like you never heard Brett Ratner or anybody say like, yeah, there was an idea for an X4 where this happened, like nothing. Um, and I mean, it's not like that ethics lesson he gives at the beginning of the movie is not a crucial Jenga piece. If you take that out of the film, the rest of the film is going to be okay. So it's not like they had to tie up that loose end. Yeah. Um, and clearly they were, real happy about cutting the runtime here so they could have cut out that two minutes ethic scene and they would have been fine so i don't know what was happening here um i i really i'm at a loss like i i can't imagine what was going on uh but it is the first marvel post credit scene so what a what a first scene um <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. I, I, I honestly, it leaves me speechless. That that end credit sequence. I just, ha. Huh. Tomorrow, when you wake up, can you look over at Isabella and go, Moira, and see how she reacts? <laughs> she won't react. 
Uh, she didn't. I don't, I don't know if she watched. The, no, she didn't watch the third one with me because I, I watched it. We we watched the second one. We had a lot of good laughs. Mm-hmm. A lot of good laughs. But the third one we didn't watch together. Uh, is it time to? It is. It's time to rate the movie. <laughs> this is. I am so curious to see what you give it, man. I really. Wow. So. Do you need me to go back over our last ones? No, no, no. Okay. This, one, this one I have a pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on a scale of zero claws to six claws or X claws, if you're just feeling like you love it a lot, X-Men 3 The Last Stand gets how many? Two claws. Two claws. Wow. It, it seems low and brutal, but I have a lot of good reasons for it. Too many stories jammed into one. Uh, certain certain key X Men characters, okay, that like that like lift the comic books. They really did them bad, like really bad. Psylocke especially, like uh, Juggernaut is like Juggernaut was one thing. Psylocke on the other hand, woo. Oh, and then Callisto. I didn't even know that was Callisto too. That's what really makes it funny. Um, and then, like, oh man, just like Rogue, just the Rogue getting the cure is is was a big like you shouldn't have done it. Um, you know, Cyclops dying, like it's just so many weird choices this film, and literally just left with like what just happened, right? And and the reason why I give it two, especially, is because of like again, Beast Man, like the fact that we had Beast in this movie. And it was like a brilliant casting choice. Oh my god! Like he, like Kelsey Grammer, like ranks amongst high in terms of, you know, casting choices with their characters. Like Robert, like like we're talking like Robert Downey as Iron Man kind of casting, like for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So, two claws. Two claws. Are they the middle claw on each hand? So you're. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I I didn't think about that, but yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, I am going to give it, and hear me out here. Don't, don't you dare give it more than three. <laughs> don't you do it. It's exactly three claws. Oh, you yeah. son of a bitch. I'm giving it three claws. Um, and the, the reason why, um, it's really, if, if you had asked me what I would rate it the day that I came out of the movie theater and saw it, I probably would have said like one because I was really bummed. Mm-hmm. Um, but with time, I've, I've come to see what strengths it has and what curiosities it has. I don't remember the last time I saw it, but I do remember the last time I saw it thinking, hey, that wasn't as bad as I remember. And like, it's still kind of stuck with me with that feeling. And the way I talked about Juggernaut, where I was like, I don't love Juggernaut, but he could have been way worse. That's how I feel about this. I. I don't think it's a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but knowing what other Marvel movies we have gotten since, uh, things like Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, things like Elektra, things like the next X-Men movie we'll be covering, I can't help but look back at this and say, you know what? This could have been a way bigger mess than it was. Um, And there are parts of it that I can really appreciate they really did try to just put everything in the kitchen sink in there. And 
there are parts of that kitchen sink that I'm I was happy to see, even if it was only for a little while, like multiple man, like the idea of of um, leech having the cure and then using that as the crux of your plot or what should have been the crux of your plot. Uh, so the bad outweigh the good, but there's still some good in there to be had. So I'm going with three. I'm yeah. not looking forward to the next one. I'll say nope. that right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to be a fun one. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh, boy. This one's going to be a real ride, let me tell you that. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know if I'm prepared for it, but it's it's one of those 2000s movies that you just have to just sit down and get through like a dentist appointment. <laughs> You know what? Like for the record, too. Like, like uh, we're really off the rails at this point. Like we we're leaving safe ground. Like we're mm -hmm. like yes, I agree with you. X three. You know what? Like in the end, you know, there's some there's some moments that we can walk away from, and 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 we're gonna be okay. We're no longer okay now. Like it's gonna get it's gonna get really weird very quickly. Yeah, um, but we'll be there, buddy. We'll be there supporting each other every step of the way through thick and thin and whatever the hell Gambit's coat was in that. <laughs> oh, that's 40 minutes of the next podcast is just going to be me ranting about Gambit, but you know, that's a, that's a story for another day. That's yeah. a coat of a different color. Uh, <laughs> sir, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Uh, right now you can find me on youtube.com forward slash expert zone. Where I do my Microsoft work. Woo. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and, uh, yeah, those two on at Andrew Fantasia. And you can find me uh, plugging away my books, my fantasy books, which uh, are right here. Here they are right here. They are. They're called We Were Wizards. And you can get We Were Wizards on Amazon right now. And there's two books out already. And the other ones are coming along really, really nicely. This year I've done so much writing work already, and it's only February. I'm, I'm really thrilled with what's uh with what's to come and i hope people read them because i want people to do podcasts about my books one day oh yeah. i'll be the stan lee of that of the movies they make of those and i'll be in the background somewhere going i'm a wizard uh, people will be like oh it's the andrew fantasia cameo <laughs> <laughs> i would love to see that for you too buddy Thank you. One day it'll happen. And then they'll they'll make We Were Wizards 3, The Last Stand. And people will be like, eh, they, should, they should have left the Phoenix story alone. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope that I hope that happens, buddy. I really do. Same here. That's a good problem to have. I have. Exactly. Well, that has been Infinity Rewatch X on X-Men 3, The Last Stand. Coming up next, everybody's favorite. What can we say? Until then, everyone, please have a marvelous day. <laughs>